My name is Lincoln, and you're listening to That's the Truth. Get your Bible. There's a lot of scripture that we're going to be reading. This is part three in a six-part series called U-Turn. We've been reading from Zechariah chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4, where the prophet of God spoke to God's people and said, Turn ye unto the Lord. We also have been reading in Exodus chapter 32, verse 8, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 9. We also went into the New Testament where Jesus was teaching us in Luke chapter 9, near the end of that chapter in verse 62. God is talking to his people, and he's not talking to the people in the club or in the dance hall or somebody walking down the street or walking the beach. God is talking to his people within the church, within the household of God. Here's something I believe is important to realize. When God gave us his only begotten son, he gave us the way. And this way that he gave us is the only way which leadeth unto life. It is the only way which leadeth unto the Father. It doesn't really matter what anybody else has to say. Jesus said, I am the way. Now, why is it that it seems so easy to depart or to turn from this way? The flesh will act very quickly against the spirit. And as we take a close look at this, we see in the scriptures that your heart can be turned, your eyes can be turned, your back can be turned, your face can be turned, your feet can be turned. My, we need to continue listening to this teaching. We need to get into the word of God today so that we can stay the course. I press toward that mark. Get your Bibles. We're going deep into the scriptures today, and I know God will bless us. Directly from the word of God, you're listening to That's the Truth. Praise God. Amen. We're continuing in the Word of God, and here we are, just outside of Calgary. We're in the province of Alberta, but I thank God, amen, that it's not so much that we are with Albertans or we are with Canadians, amen. This afternoon, I am gathered together with sons and daughters, amen, of the living God. Praise God. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Let people listening know that I am not by myself. Praise God. Amen. Give God some praise. Amen. Give God some glory. Amen. For His Word. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. And I thank God that we have the freedom, amen, to open up the Word of God. Amen. To let God speak. Praise God. I don't want to be found in a position where God, amen, came to speak to His people in the days of Moses. And God's people were telling Moses, well, hang on for a sec. We can't take the shaking and the rumblings and such. But I thank God today that we can be found in a place where God's love for his children, for his sons and his daughters, God's love is there for us. Are you glad for that? His rod and his staff, they comfort me. I don't mind the chastisement of my father because it reminds me how much he loves me. Praise God. Amen. Are you glad for that? And I'm glad today, praise God, that we can have the word of God in our hands, and we can find out, amen, what God has to say for us. Praise God. Amen. We can find out what God has, amen, in store for us. We can find out what God has to say, what God is saying unto us. There we go. I think I've said it properly now. Praise God. As we open up the Word of God, and when I open up my Bible, I am well aware, amen, I remind my flesh that it is God talking to me. Some people might say, look at you and say, well, you ought to be locked up. Uh-uh. I'm spiritual. Amen. I walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I want to be spiritual because I want to receive from God. And the only way that I can receive from God, Paul gave us his teaching, amen, is to be spiritual. Why? Because God is a spirit. People wonder why they haven't heard from God. Amen. Well, get out of the flesh and get into the spirit. Put yourself into a position where you can have that communion with God, where you can be made a partaker of what God has 
for you and I today. Praise God. We have our Bibles open into 2 Chronicles chapter 30 and in the ninth verse. And I thank God we've been looking at, amen, there's, I believe this is the third installment of a teaching which I've called U-Turn. Today, as a subtitle, we can call this Return because God is teaching us that we are, once God puts us on the way which leadeth unto life, and his name is, there's no turning to the left and there's no turning to the right. Do you believe that? And some people might say, well, I don't like your church. Your church sounds a little too strict for me. Well, you haven't heard, that's not even strict yet. You can go into, uh, let me get the right chapter, what Jesus gave us in Luke chapter 9, I believe it is. Let me get the scripture. Luke chapter 9 and the 62nd verse, where Jesus said unto a man that he was teaching, he was trying to get this man into heaven, and he says, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back. When you read what Jesus said, Jesus is not talking about turning aside or turning. He says, you can't, if your hands are to the plow, you do not look back. Some people want a little bit of a taste. Some people want to, you know, a little smell it. Amen. They want to touch something. They want to, you know, feel something. And then the flesh gets involved. We looked at the sin of Achan on the couple other CDs back. And we were discussing that this afternoon, how he was, he, he saw something and then he began to covet and then he ended up taking it and he ended up bringing sin into the camp of Israel. Can you imagine? Well, you say there's all kinds of things and I agree with that. The world is filled with all kinds of distractions, all kinds of things. The devil knows how to take sin and how to gift wrap it, nice shiny colors, Put a bow on it with a nice fancy ribbon. The other way around. Put a ribbon on it with a nice fancy bow. There we go. I think I got that right. And, and then he presents it to you in an enticing such a way. But I thank God, amen, that I can know when the devil is lying to me. And I can know, amen, when not to touch, when not to handle, when not to taste. Because I have the word of God. The Word of God to me is my protection. Praise God. Amen. It becomes part of that shield which I have that will quench the fiery darts of the devil. So I know sometimes we can blame the world, but when you look at Scripture, amen, the devil does not need very much to tempt the children of God. The Bible teaches me in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And I don't see in the wilderness, amen, where there's a whole street full of clubs and a whole street full of bars and a whole street full of strip clubs and dance halls and, and whatever else the world has to offer. He's led into the wilderness and the devil picks a rock and tries to tempt Jesus with a plain old rock. Are you hungry? Take the stone, is it, in English? There's a stone, amen, so it doesn't take much. We're looking at an example in the Old Testament when God brought his people out of Egypt they were, I'm going to use the word blessed. You can use another word if you want to, but they were blessed with, the, with what their, all the silver and the gold of their neighbors to the point they had to get the children to carry it out, laden with the bracelets and the necklaces and the earrings and whatever else, the silver plates and the golden goblets. They carry this out. Now they're in the desert place and there's, there's nothing else. In my mind, rather, when I'm reading this, I just picture that they're just surrounded with sand. There's nothing there to tempt them. So what did they do? They made up their own temptation. They took the blessing which God has given them, the silver and the gold, and they put it in the fire. Despite what Aaron says, oh, a golden cap just happened to come out of the fire. No, no, you people started messing around, and they're not messing around so much with sin. They're messing around with the blessing that God had given them. 
And then it became sin. So five minutes ago when you said, I don't like the sound of your church, it seems to be kind of strict. Well, it just got stricter, if that's a word. The way just got a little bit narrower. Because I know people from personal experience. I'm 57 years old and I've been around the block a few times. And I know people who have asked God for certain things. Bless my business. Bless me with a wife. Bless me with a husband. Bless me with a house. You know, all of a sudden, it's as I'm going to use what James says, they have asked amiss. Were the children of Israel blessed or were they not blessed coming out of Egypt? Blessed, they meant over, with an overabundance of blessing. And we read here the text, amen, I'm looking at this afternoon in the book of Exodus, where God is making a point in Exodus chapter 32 and the eighth verse. And he says, they have talking about his people. I mean, God's not talking about Pharaoh and he's not talking about the Egyptians. And he's not talking about the Philistines. I know we haven't met the Philistines yet in the book of Exodus. But you know what I'm saying? God is not talking about the people in the street. He's not talking about the people in the club. Amen. He's not talking about the people in the dance halls or what. He is talking about his people. And listen to what God says. They have turned aside quickly out of the way. Which, and you've got to, amen, this is God speaking. He says, which I can someone say God? Who has done the commanding? Amen. Who's done the, the ordering, if you would? Who has given us direction? For God so loved the world that he, God gave. And I thank God today, when God gave his son, Jesus Christ, his son became the way. Thank you, sister. I'm going to say it again. When God gave us his son, his only begotten son, his son, Jesus Christ, became the way. Amen. Can everyone say amen? amen? And so God has created a way for us, one way, the only way. When God puts us in that way, or on that way, if you would, we have no business turning aside. We have no business looking. At, not even, Jesus said, if you look, you're not fit. I wonder what example Jesus was using. I wonder what was in the back of his mind. Perhaps Lot's wife? Escorted by the angels out of a city that's about to be destroyed by the wrath of God? She was given the warning. She was told what to do and what not to do and where to run. And when Lot and his wife were dragging their feet, the angels took them by the hand and said, it's time to leave now. In this world... 2019, when it comes to my flesh, I've got to remind my flesh that now, today is the day of salvation. I need to flee, what does the Bible say? My youthful lusts, even my worldly lusts. Now, and fleeing these things, I've got to stay on the run. I've got to keep fleeing. Here, amen, it seems that Moses went to commune with this God himself, to come back, amen, with the way, with the, with the ordinances, with the Ten Commandments, if you would, doesn't matter what you, amen, God's writing on the tablets, hewn by the, amen, written by the finger of God. And before Moses, amen, he was gone for a few days, becomes, turns around, coming down from the mountain, and God is saying, they have turned aside quickly. You can also read this in Deuteronomy chapter 9. You can read the same account, where God says, they have turned aside quickly. You can't allow the flesh any moment, amen, any opportunity because the flesh will act very quickly against the spirit. 
And I don't want to find myself in recovery mode, always trying to recuperate or to recover. Paul says, I die daily. It is no longer I that liveth, but it is Christ that liveth in me. Romans chapter 6, death, sin shall no longer reign, shall no longer have dominion in my body. I thank God for that. Even though it's all around me, even though I'm surrounded by death and destruction, but whatever the devil has set up in this world, as far as temptation is concerned, as far as sin is concerned, I cannot make myself a partaker of this. Contrary to what God has for us, I mean, God has made a way for us. God has made a way out of sin for me. Can someone say amen? God has made a way for me out of my religion. Can someone say amen? God has made a way for me out of darkness. He has put me into his marvelous, the Bible calls it marvelous, his marvelous light. And Jesus says, while there is light, he says to walk ye in it. Don't be found heading into the shadows. Don't be found heading into the darkness. While there is light, what are you doing? Walking in the? And his name is? Amen. I thank God for it. Praise God. But here it says, and they have turned aside quickly. Remember what we read? Of, I know this was a couple of CDs ago. It's where God says, turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you. Praise God. Have we turned today? I'm asking you a question. Have we turned men from our sin, from our trespass? Jesus made it clear when he says, ye must be born again. Note that second word. He says, ye must. What does that mean? Think about it. He says, you have to be. Ye must be born again. That makes it clear. I know this may turn some people off. When I look at Jesus, I'm looking at salvation. Even when I look at Jesus Christ, I'm looking at life. So when Jesus says, ye must, what does that mean? Find another way? Look for another option? He says, ye must. Praise God, that gives me every indication that I have no choice but to do what Jesus said. What did he say? He says, ye must be born again. Praise God. So as I mentioned, as far as the direction that we are heading into, amen, are you on that way which leadeth unto life? And how many ways are there? And his name is? Some of you don't sound too sure. I'm going to ask you again. How many ways are there? One way? Amen. One way? I want everybody, amen, listening to the sound of my voice. One way. And his name is? That's it. There's no other name. You can read in Acts chapter 4, I believe it's a 12th verse, where Peter was, Peter's began, his ministry is on the, is, is just getting started. Praise God. And look at what Peter's preaching. He said, there's only one man and his name is, there is only one way where there's only one man that I'm exalting. There's only one man that I'm lifting up. Praise God. People say, what's your denomination? Jesus. I'm not denominated. I don't know if I could use that word in that sense, but you'll understand what I'm saying. I'm not denominated to anything else that exists in this world. I don't have anything in common with anything else. I just have one thing, Jesus Christ. And when I read the Bible, it doesn't seem to be anything in common with him at all. Unless you have the same spirit, unless you're walking in the same doctrine, unless you're found on that way, unless you're found with that one baptism, one word, one way, one spirit. Thank God, this is what puts us 
as, and I'm trying to go back to my math skills, which weren't very strong anyways, when they used the term a common denominator. But when we, when we walk the way God wants us to walk, we're not walking in commonness. We're walking as one. When you become one, it's not, you, you can't compare. There's nothing, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You, it's not something compared to something else or something that has something in common with something else. We're, we are one. There's not two. Jesus said when he was praying for us in John chapter 17, he says, when I come, he says, I thank God for those that you have given to me. He said, I don't pray for all those in the world, but I just pray for those, my father, he's addressing his father in heaven, for those which you have given to me. And Jesus said, now what's going to happen? He says, when I come unto them, I want to dwell in them. And when I come to dwell in them, to make my abode in them, he says, my father comes with me and the three of us will become one. Can someone say amen? Amen. I thank God for that praise God. And with God. I was telling somebody lately, I said, you know what? Uh, a couple days ago, or was it this morning? Yesterday? I forget when it was. Amen. I said, listen, do you believe that Jesus Christ is in you? He says, yes. I said, well, now, if Jesus is in you, you know what else is in you? Because when you, when you have Jesus, you know what comes with Jesus? And then I began to list life because Jesus is life. If Jesus is in me, I've got life in me. I've got the way in me. I've got the truth in me. I've got light of the world in me. I've got the Father in me. I've got peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I've got peace in me. I have a long list. All you need is to have Jesus in you. And you have all these things because Jesus comes with that. Do you believe that? Someone say amen. And if you believe that, and I thank God for this, but here, let me go back. I got sidetracked for a couple of minutes, but amen, I believe that's all right. Praise God. Let's go back to, well, we've read the scripture. Go into the Chronicles. Find a book of Chronicles. I want to come into the uh, second, or if you would, third aspect of what I'm looking at. Find the second book of Chronicles. Because I mentioned, if you listen to the CD previous to this, or the, I mentioned that you look at people that have turned aside and it's easy. You look at the person that's sitting in the, in the, on the bar stool this afternoon, and he's completely turned. There's no ifs or buts. He's not the hypocrite. He's not trying to hide anything. He's out, or she is out in the club or the dance hall. I don't know what else to refer to, sports arena, whatever. I mean, you get the picture. He's out in the world, and there's no hypocrisy. They have, they're not in the way at all. They're completely turned out. They've turned aside. And... It's easy to point at people in that direction. But when I began to meditate, when I was meditating on these scriptures, a two and a half day drive to Winnipeg, you get some time to meditate. That's when I began, amen, at, when I was off the road. Sometimes even my wife would be driving and I'd be sitting in the passenger seat collecting verses and saying, what's it mean to turn aside? Because you know what? I began to see scriptures and the Spirit of God began to, to speak to me through the Word of God that you don't necessarily have to be turned aside your physically, your whole body turned you know, in an obvious fashion. I began to read scriptures, and this is what I want to spend some time this afternoon looking at that you can be sitting, how shall I word this? in your church pew, if you would, or sitting in your living room, doesn't matter. You, you can be sitting there and you can have, your heart can be turned, your face can be turned, your eyes can be turned, your backs can be turned, and did you know your feet can be turned? 
This is where I believe that judgment begins in the house of God. Like I said, it's easy to look at the person sitting on that bar stool this afternoon. There's no doubt his eyes, backs, feet, hands, ears, his wallet is everything is in a different world. But today in Christ, look at what we read in Luke chapter 9. Jesus said, if your hands are to the plow and if you look back, you know you can look without moving your feet? Think about it. Do you know you can look without moving your head? Peripheral vision, whatever they call it. What's in your hands today, this afternoon? For those of you listening to me. What is before your eyes today? The Word. His name is? I want to make sure that we are not, my eyes, my feet, my back, my ears. We read, we're going to look at different scriptures where the devil only has to control He doesn't have to control your whole body, just a certain part, a certain member of your body, just your eyes. I know sometimes, and this has happened to me, I'm at fault, preachers preaching away and I'm sitting there going through my grocery list for tomorrow. But I'm in front of them, nodding my head, shouting amen every once in a while, but trying to bring my mind subject to where it should be, making the choice, amen, that I'm not going to miss one word, making sure that every word that's being preached unto me is not being wasted, it's not being spoken in vain, but it is falling into good ground. Make me good ground. As I'm sitting here, praise God. Good time to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray, amen. Thank God for your word that we hear this afternoon. But I pray that every ear, amen, that's within the sound of my voice, every ear will be opened. Every eye, amen, will be opened to see the truth. Every ear, praise God, will be opened. Be blessed because we have ears to hear this afternoon. Lord, I thank God, amen, as we look at these scriptures. We're going to walk out of this place, and there is no turning back. Thank God that we are found on the way that Jesus Christ has made for us, took us out of darkness, took us out of religion. Praise God. He's put us on a way which leadeth unto life. And Lord, we, I don't want to turn aside to the left. I don't want to turn aside to the right. I don't want to look back, having my two hands to the plow. Amen. I thank God. Lord, strengthen us, fortify us. Amen. That each and every one of us on that way today, praise God, we will stay on that way. Praise God. And we will endure until the end, for the same shall be saved. Thank God for the leading of the Holy Ghost this afternoon, the Spirit of God that will lead us and to guide us into all truth. Lord, I thank God for every word which is being spoken unto us from your mouth. Amen. I pray that this word is not spoken in vain, but will find its way into good ground this afternoon. Lord, I pray and I ask you of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Let's give Jesus a good hand. Amen. Before we sit down, before we say or do anything else. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. His name is? Thank God for the way. Amen. Are you on that way today? Praise God. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. I'm going to read 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 9. Then we'll go back into the book of Deuteronomy. And as I said, amen, the past couple of teachings that have been behind a microphone, amen, a mentioned this is U-turn, where God is saying, U-turn, turn unto me. And here in Second Chronicles, I thank God for his grace and for his mercy. Chapter 30, verse 9, can someone say amen? He said, for his grace, his mercy. He says, for if ye turn again unto the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that lead them captive. 
so that they shall come again into this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful. Amen. Just before I began reading, man, I said, thank God for his grace and for his mercy. This is just not a declaration that I'm making. We're reading this from God's word. He says, for the Lord your God. Someone say, my God. Confess, amen, who God is to you. My God. Not those two words you hear in the streets by sinner folks. I even hear Muslims saying that. Running around, MGing, using, amen. Prime Minister Justin trying to tell me that I can't talk about Mohammed and they can go off and say MGs and JCs and J bleeping Cs and all kind of using God and Jesus and Christ all in vain. And I'm supposed to watch what? No, no, no. This afternoon, amen, I'm not making this confession in vain at all. It says, the Lord, your God. He, the Lord, my God. I'm not shocked. I didn't see an accident. A hammer didn't hit me on the thumbnail. I'm praising my God. This afternoon, praise God. And feel free to do the same. We're in God's sanctuary. The only thing exciting is the Holy Ghost, is the Spirit of God. So we don't have to be shocked at some bad news or good news and, and start using God's name or whatever. The Lord, your God, is gracious and merciful. Can someone say, my God? For if you turn again, amen, and here's the promise, and he will, he will not turn away his face from you if ye returned unto him. Praise God. Are we looking in the right direction today? Now, as I mentioned, and it's unfortunate Sometimes people can look good. And by looking good, I mean they can go through all the motions. They're wearing the right clothes. They put their hands up at the right time. They know the words to the hymn. They know the words to the course. But I wonder about their heart. Because I can see their hands. I can see their clothes. I can see their hair. I can see their, what else can I see? Their actions, their dancing, their playing, their offerings. Jesus stood by the treasury looking at their offerings. So if you wonder what God looks at or what Jesus is looking at, when I read the scriptures, God looks at the whole picture. God looks at what you can see and what I can see. And then God begins to look at what you and I can't see. The heart is a very important thing for God. You can read scriptures where the prophet Samuel was anointing young David at the time. And the heart came into that discussion. David's heart, in fact, is even testified in the New Testament. We take David's heart out of the Old Testament and it moves all the way into the New Testament where God, amen, brings a testimony on David's. The Bible says that David had a heart unto God. The heart is an important thing unto God. He'll replace your heart, the Bible says. Take out the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And God says, I will write on the fleshly tables of your heart. That's where I come up with it, saying that we have a heart of flesh, because he's writing on our fleshly tables. And upon the fleshly tables, he will write his ordinances and his commandments and his precepts. Can someone say, thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Takes away the heart of stone. See, brother, there was a, one time, amen, with Moses, we're talking about Moses, God took his finger and he wrote on stone. Then Moses took the stone and he broke them. Then he wrote on stone again a second time. But it didn't last very long. It wasn't very effective. 
So God says, I don't want to write on stone anymore. So I'm going to take that heart, that stony heart out of you. He said, I'm going to replace it so that I can write on fleshly tables this time. I don't want to write on the rock. I don't want to write on the stone anymore. I want to write on the fleshly tables of your heart. And then God made a promise. He says, I will be your God. I believe it says, I will be their God and they shall be. But I want to, put, I want to make it personal. I want to put myself into this picture. Amen. Are you there with me today? Born again? God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Sheep of my pasture. You'll be able to come in, find good pasture. And I thank God where I am today, there is good pasture. Are you with me this afternoon? Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I've got quite a few scriptures to go through, so I'm going to try to get through this. If not today, then we'll continue another day. But Deuteronomy chapter 30, there are two verses I want to read. I'm going to pause for a moment or two, just in case you have not been with us since the beginning of this teaching. I want to fill you in on some details that you may have missed. My name is Lincoln. I'm so glad that you're joining me today. Get your Bible because we're going to read scriptures and we're going to read God's word. Is your heart with God? Hearing is important. As we get into Deuteronomy chapter 30, we're going to read two verses, verse 17 and verse 18. It's important what we hear. It's important today what we listen to. In fact, I'm so glad that you're listening to the Word of God today, which is anointed, which will find its way into good ground, and it will be a blessing to you. When we say that the Lord is my shepherd and that He is leading me, this means that He is in front of me and I follow Him. That makes Him my leader. That makes him your leader. Are you following Jesus Christ, the good shepherd? Are you following Jesus Christ, the great shepherd? Jesus will present his church to his father, and the Bible says that it will be a glorious bride, a bride that has been redeemed by his blood, a bride that is without spot and without wrinkle. There's more scriptures, so get your Bible. We're going into 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 9. We're also going to be reading Psalms chapter 44 and verse 18. We're going to find out what good examples of the heart can be. We're also going to go into Psalm 119 verse 35 and verse 59. I'm going to take you right back to where we left off. Get your Bibles directly from the Word of God. You're listening to That's the Truth. There are two verses I want to read. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Deuteronomy 30, uh, verse 17, it says, But if thine heart turn away, are you with me? Deuteronomy chapter 30, 17th verse. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear. I'm wondering, amen, for all of those sitting in front of me, sitting around me this afternoon, is your heart with me? Is your heart with God? Because if you have a heart that's has been turned away or heart. It says, so thou wilt not hear. And we know that hearing is important. Because faith cometh how? I don't know if you have ears to hear this afternoon, but I mean, we need to thank God that we can hear. Are we hearing something? And I'm not talking about the music from next door. I'm talking about the word of God, which is being ministered unto me because faith cometh by hearing and I need faith. Why do I need? I don't need faith for my bank account. I don't need faith for my, for my health or something. I need faith because without faith, the Bible says, it is not possible to please God. So I need faith because I want to put myself in a position where I am pleasing God. 
I don't want to displease God. When you read the Bible, we find out what happens when God is not very pleased. When God decides to move, God moves, and there's no stopping him. Once or twice, we can see where God repented. That's about all that's coming to my mind, about twice. Hezekiah, prophet of God, walked into the room, says, get ready. The man turned his face towards the wall, amen, began to make his plea unto God. Thank God for the humble prophet that turned around. Because I know some prophets, so-called, that wouldn't have turned around. Nah, nah, I said the word. I'm not going back there. Make me look bad. The Bible says the prophet turned around, came back, and he came back this time with good news to the king. God was ready to wipe out all his children since we're in Deuteronomy and Exodus. May as well use this example. Amen. And Moses reminded God, saying, God, God, you can't. You can't do that. These are your children. You made a promise. If you wipe them all out, what's the, what are the neighboring? You know, what are the other countries? What are those, amen, what are the Philistines? What are the Hittites and the, and the, and the Jebusites? There we go. What are the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Moabites? What are they going to say if all of a sudden in your anger you, and Moses was able to convince God He stayed his anger, the Bible says. Anywhere else in the scriptures where I read, when God moves, God moves. And I thank God. And when people ask me, they say, well, when they talk about being saved and and something we don't hear very often, but when I was a little guy growing up, amen, people would stand up and they'd testify. And before before they would even begin to testify, they would stand up and say, I am so glad I'm saved and sanctified. Amen, I remember that. You don't hear that very, you don't hear, you don't hear those words very often anymore. And, and thank God for it. Amen, they're good to say. And then they go into testimony. Um, but when people ask me, they say, what are, what are you saved for? And they think you're going to say, I'm saved from hell or I'm saved from, I tell people I'm saved from the, the wrath of God. This is what the Bible teaches us. Because when God, as I said, when God decides to move once and for all, there will be no stopping God will send his angels and they'll begin to prepare. When you read through the revelations, God will send his angels and they will begin to prepare for the wrath of God. They will begin to pour out portions of his wrath upon this earth. And when I read the scriptures, there is no coming back from that point. I thank God today, amen, we can do what we need to do as far as it is written. The word of God that's in my hands today so that I am not found in that position. I will not be found in the path of God's destruction. You ever see those highlights on a computer where the, or the television, whatever screen you're looking at, where the tornado, that the funnel up in the sky, and then when it hits, hits ground and it just, it has a path of destruction. If you're in its way, it destroys Whenever I see that and they go, it's force three or force four or force five, and I try, try to understand how that works or how they analyze all this, I, immediately I always think about God's force. Because when I read the scriptures, I mean, I see where I, I don't think God's a force three or a force four or a force five or God is a force all of its own. It won't be able to be measured by a man or a woman or by an instrument or by a gauge because God is God. Are you with me this afternoon? And here when he's, telling, when he's teaching his children in verse 17, and when you get to verse 18, listen, he says, but if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear, hearing is important, right? We got that? Okay, I'm going to continue. But shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I denounce unto you this day, verse 18, that ye shall surely 
Surely. This is not the surely in Psalm 23, verse 4 and 5. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's because the Lord is my shepherd. And when the Lord is my shepherd, that means I follow him. I think I got like a quarter of an amen out of somebody. When the Lord is my shepherd, that means, amen, I'm full. Amen. The next verse in Psalm 23, it says, for he leadeth me. He maketh me. Then he says, he leadeth. If he's leading me, where does that put him and where does that put you? Who's first? Who's in front of you? Amen. What's in your hands today? What's in, what's in front of your eyes today? The Bible, the word of God. Every word is spirit and every word is life. This is what Jesus said. The words which I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. In my King James Bible, I've got over three million words of spirit. Doesn't matter if it's an if, an end, if it's the name of Jesus, God, Lord, blessing, wrath. All these words are spirit and they are life. And the Bible says, he leadeth me. The problem is with people these days, they don't want to be led. They can't be told what to do. He makes me lie down. You need to lie down. He leadeth me. This is the way you need to go. And God says here, and so we, when we read this in, in Psalm 23, and all of us know this scripture, any Christian listening to me, any church going person, we know what this chapter says. So that's why when we get down, amen, four verses later, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. There is no doubt. There is no doubt. Why? Because I'm being led of the shepherd. His name is, and Jesus is leading me in the way which leadeth unto the Father. Amen. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want to get to God? You want to stand before God like we all will, the Bible says. But you want to stand before God in good shape? You want to stand before God, amen, with salvation? You need Jesus. No one else will do. Doesn't matter if you're listening to a pope or Buddha or Mohammed or who it is. We need Jesus Christ. He is the one making intercession for me at the right hand of the Father. Amen. He is the one that's going to introduce me to the Father. Here's my bride. Without spot and without wrinkle. Can someone say amen? Amen. This is what the Bible says, that Jesus Christ will present unto his Father what kind of a church? Do you know that scripture from Ephesians? Amen. A glorious church. A glorious bride. A bride that has been redeemed. Praise God. A bride, amen, that has been saved and sanctified. Like I said, we don't hear these terms anymore in church. A bride, praise God, amen, that has been, that is walking in a newness, the Bible says, of life, and his name is. That's Romans chapter 6, if you would. Once we have the blessing, praise God, of salvation, the blessing, amen, of being baptized, coming out of water, the Bible says, we walk in newness of life. Why is it a newness of life? Because in Christ Jesus, we're a new creature. A new creature does new things because old things are passed away. Amen. I don't walk the same way I used to walk. I don't talk the same way I used to talk. I don't have the same heart that I used to have because that heart of stone is, is, has been removed and has been replaced where God is writing. I thank God for the word of God in my hands, but I also thank God for his word. Amen. That's inscribed. Praise God. Amen. Upon the fleshly tables of my heart. Can someone say my heart? Going back to this verse we're reading, there's no doubt God says, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely 
perish and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I want to read 1 Kings chapter 11 and the ninth verse. Still the heart, remember. Don't look at somebody that's turned aside and it's easy to tell. Make sure that one, that your body is in the right place, but make sure your heart has not turned aside. You're going to be sitting in the right place this afternoon. Make sure your eyes are not turned aside. We say, how does that happen? Well, I've been ministering to people before. Amen. I've seen their eyes roll back. You say something from the word of God and they roll their eyes back. And you know, amen, that the spirit of unbelief is working in them or amongst them or around them. Their heart I can't see, but God sees the heart. I'm preaching the word of God this afternoon. If you're listening to the word as I preach it, read Hebrews chapter 4 in the 12th verse. Find out what the word, the word of God is just not going into your ears and making it past your eardrums. It's going into the inside of your insides. That's how I understand that verse. Because it goes right into the marrow, amen, the Bible says, of your bones. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And once you get into the marrow of your bone, well, I think that's about as far inside as you can get inside a body. You can't get any insider than that, if that's a word, excuse me, teacher. But that's what the word of God can do. And it began to discern what? Your thoughts, your intents, your motivations, why you're saying something, why you're doing something. Your thoughts and the intents of what? Your heart. I said a few minutes ago, the heart is important unto God. Romans chapter 10, verse 7, 8, 9, and 10, I believe, 11, 12, somewhere in there. That we need to confess Jesus Christ with our mouth in order to be saved, and we need to believe it in our hearts. And then the next verse, amen, I believe this is verses 10 and 11. The next verse says, you need to believe it in your heart and then confess with your mouth. So you confess and believe in one verse. The next verse, immediate following, you believe and confess. So either way, you need to confess, you need to believe. You need to believe to confess. Amen, that picture is complete. And you have people today signing their membership. I'll join a church. I'll do whatever. No, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. And I'm so glad it doesn't. But it does tell me what needs to come out of my mouth. It does tell me, amen, how my knees have to hit the floor. Amen. My knees need to bow. And my tongue must confess. And I need to have a heart unto God to do that. Otherwise, listen, 1 Kings 11 verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned. Here was a man who built the temple. Here was a man who respected the house of God in such a way that he says, no, I mean, you, you were a contractor. I think you contracted the, amen. He says, contractor, you don't bring your hammer and you don't bring your saw into this building. This is the temple of the Lord. You do everything that your hammer and your saw needs to do outside and you take this prefabricated piece and you bring it in and we'll put the house of God. We'll put the temple of the Lord all together. And it was, the temple was a great thing. The Bible says, Amen. Comparing, it was, it was uh, Solomon. Jesus said there's a greater than Solomon. So I mean, Solomon must have been great. But there, a greater is, his name is, a greater than the temple. I mean, the temple was great. But a greater than the temple was 
Jesus Christ. So here, going back to Solomon, here is a man, I believe Solomon was the inventor of prefabricated homes because he assembled everything and put it all together. But in his old age, he got married a few too many times. And all of a sudden, you don't bring a hammer into the house of God. You don't bring a saw into the house of God, but you'll bring an idol? Something wrong with his heart. Something wrong with that way of thinking. The Bible says, where his wives, his concubines, his, his women from strange lands. And some of us, we can relate to that in our society. In the past few years, doesn't matter what country you live in, there's people from other countries coming into that country. Except Iraq and Iran. I don't see too many people going there. But any other country, whether you're listening to the CD from the U.S. or Canada or United Kingdom, doesn't matter where, people moving around, there's all kinds of people coming in, and with them, they're bringing in their customs and their traditions and all kinds of things. And this is what happened to Solomon. He got caught up. We need to be careful. Amen. Are you careful? When the Italians come, I don't mind. Amen. Italian food, the spaghetti and meat sauce, and amen. That's, I'm not, that stuff is fine. Amen. I'm not against culture, and I'm not against countries coming in or immigrants or immigrating. And so, no, I'm not against that at all. But some of the things that come with them, I want to read two verses from Joel chapter 2. Make sure that God is not angry when we read 1 Kings chapter 11 in the ninth verse, and the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned. Unbelievable what that man was able to do for the house of God, for the temple of God, and that he allowed his heart to be turned. Well, listen to how Joel, amen, teaches us. The prophet Joel in chapter 2 in the 12th verse, he says, Therefore also now, saith the Lord, Joel 2 and the 12th verse, he says, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and along with that, he says, fast, weep, and mourn. But look at what the heart is doing. When we get into this, into the 13th verse, it says, and rend your heart and not your garments. The example I used a couple of times, I mean, since we're recording, when we look at the person that's sitting on the, on the bar stool in full force, Heart, soul, mind, his wallet, his friends, his time, his energy, it's all being spent in sin, in the world. But going back to what I said, amen, how important the heart is unto God. And he says, even, he says, God is speaking through the man of God through Joel. He says, turn ye even to me with, someone say, all your heart. All your amen. I have those four words underlined in my verse, in verse 12, in my Bible rather. It's the only four words I have underlined in that verse. With all your heart. Someone say, my heart. heart. Now in verse 13, he says, and rend your heart and not your garments. This is where I get the vision where the garments being on the outside of a person. That display of religion. Again, so easy to look at somebody and what they're doing or what they're saying or how they're acting or what they're wearing or where they're where they're sitting and such. But when God says, do we understand what the word rend means? With the word rend, it means to tear apart with violence or to tear it apart with a, you know, determine that it's coming apart. Determine that you're going to separate the one side with the other. 
So here when I read this verse, the vision I get from reading this, God is telling his people, he says, I want you to rend your heart. I don't need this open, fleshly, carnal display of your garments. Because you may be able to impress a man or a woman. You may be able to convince the preacher. But God is sitting there saying, I can see your heart. I know what's going on in your heart. And I know what the truth is. So God says, I want your heart to be separate. Be ye separate. Be a holy nation. Be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing. We need to separate from the unclean thing. Amen. We need to be separated. Amen. From the things that we are not supposed to touch. We need to be separated. When Lot, when the angels came down to Lot and his wife, they made separation. You need to get out. Because the wrath of God, amen, is coming down, will be poured upon the city, and you need to be somewhere else. How many times have you found yourself in a position where for the sake of your salvation, you needed to go somewhere else? You needed to be somewhere else. You needed to take, sometimes, if it wasn't physically possible to move, you needed to move your mind, your thoughts elsewhere. Begin to meditate on those things which are lovely. Amen. Begin to meditate on those things which are of a good report. You begin to meditate on those things which come from the Word of God. Setting your affection on those things which cometh from, cometh from above. And God says here, he says, and rend your heart and not your garments. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is, we're going to read these two words again. He is what? Someone else? He is what? Slow to anger. Well, let me read it. For he is gracious and he is merciful. He is slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. What do we need to do? We need to work on our hearts. That word of God, Hebrews chapter 4 and the 12th verse. I'll repeat it again. Where the Bible says that word of God is able to discern the intents and the thoughts of my heart. Some people say, well, don't you think with your mind? Well, maybe that's the way man or science explains things. But if I'm going to go by what the word of God, if I'm going to go by what God says, it seems my heart has a lot to do with it. It seems that my heart, amen, sitting right behind the breastplate of righteousness, sitting in my chest, has a lot to do with who I am unto God. Amen. Are you with me this afternoon? Because God is telling us here, he says, Brent, look at this thing. Well, how can that be? This puts me into, into a Nicodemus state of mind. When he came to Jesus and says, wait a second, how do, I, how do I end up back in my mother's womb? You carnal man. Aren't you a leader? How did Jesus respond? He said, aren't you a leader of the synagogue? Aren't you a so-called teacher? Aren't you a so-called preacher, pastor? And you do not understand the concept with your carnal mind? Spiritual today. Are we spiritual? Walking not after the flesh, but after the spirit this afternoon? Amen. Where he says, and rend your heart and not your garments. So the carnal aspect, amen, of making an open display or making a display of my misery or of my guilt or determination, if somebody was to rip their clothes in, in misery or in, um, 
in anguish or being sad or the, even if they had a repented heart and, or repented, well, if they had a repented heart, God would accept it. Too many times we see a religious display on the outward, but we're not fooling God. This is what God is saying. Amen. He told Saul, he says, you can see on the outside and I know you're looking on the outside, but Saul, he says, I'm looking at the heart. And there's seven hearts standing in front of the man of God, the prophet of God, and God refused all seven of them. The prophet Samuel was a little confused. Looked at Jesse and he says, well, is, is God sent me to this house to anoint a man. And he says, and you've given me seven men. But God has said, do not anoint any of these seven. Are there any other sons? And Jesse said, oh, there is one in the field. He's nothing but a little shepherd boy. The Bible teaches me that many are called, few are chosen. Eight of Jesse's sons were called. Seven to begin with, and he had to go get an eighth one. And the man of God was standing there, but only how many were chosen of the eight? How many were chosen of the eight that stood before the prophet of God? Only one son. And the son that was anointed, David, he was the one, as I've mentioned him before already, amen, in this teaching where the, the heart of that man was unto God, but the anointing that was upon this man, it was David that went and defeated Goliath. Can someone say amen? amen. It was David who went... It took him a while, but when he finally came to power 15 years after Saul, amen, was removed out of the picture, it was David who went and brought back, amen, the Ark of the Covenant. It was David who went and brought back the presence of God, amen, with dancing, with leaping and praising God, with singing, brought back the presence of God amongst the children of God. It was David who did this. Did God pick the right heart? Amen, come on. Did God pick the right heart? Amen. With the prophet standing there, he says, I'll anoint. The anointing didn't change too much on the outside, visually, as far as his brothers were concerned. They said, aren't you the shepherd boy? Shouldn't you be looking after the sheep? Who's looking after daddy's sheep? When David showed up, that's all they were concerned about, daddy's sheep. What was David concerned about? David was concerned about his God. He said, who's this man who's mocking Who's this man that defileth the army of the Lord? Who's this man that's making fun of the Lord God of Israel? I think David forgot about the sheep, even though he left them in good hands. David recognized another lion that needed to be dealt with. Can someone say amen? Amen. David recognized another bear that needed to be dealt with. And this time it wasn't of the four-legged kind. This was of the two-legged kind. When David brought back the trophy into Saul's tent, picture David holding, you know, Goliath, I do anyways, picture David holding the head of Goliath, even by his hair, dragging him up the mount, even up to the, where, where he eventually, where, where, where it was eventually buried, if you would. And Saul's looking at him. I can picture Saul, King Saul looking at him saying, what is going on? And, and here's David saying, oh, what's the difference? I got a bare head. Amen. I took care of the bear. I've got a lion. I took care of the lion. Goliath, what's the difference? What is the difference when you have God with you? 
No weapon formed shall prosper. Doesn't matter what or who says what against me. It cannot prosper. It cannot make an advance. It cannot get anywhere with me because God is with me, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And David went up against, he went up against Goliath, who was defiling. And look at, look at who was with David. Not his brothers. Brothers wanted to send him back home. Thank God that David was with God and God was with David. He had a heart, the Bible says, unto God. Amen. Are you with me this afternoon? And this is why David says, rend. He says, begin to separate your heart. Don't, don't have your heart go after those things which cannot deliver and which cannot prosper. Those things which are vain. Those desires that exist in this world. I have a hard time just paying for my groceries in the supermarket without the little screen at the cash flashing that you need a vacation, you need to buy one of these, you need to drive one of those, you need to dress like this. It's flashing all these kind of advertisements trying to get me to invest more time and more money into things which I don't need, which you and I, which we don't need most of the time. And all of a sudden, when it comes this afternoon, I want you to realize, amen, that when it comes to your soul, nothing else matters but that spirit, your soul that's in you this afternoon, brother, sister. Nothing else matters except for what the soul that is in you. If we begin to entangle ourselves again with that yoke of bondage, I mean, this is how the Bible speaks about it. When I came out of bondage, I don't want to be tangled up again. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Jesus Christ has made you free. Are we standing fast in that liberty? Not bound? These slaves came out of Egypt? And how quickly? This is God's word. This is God's take on it. How quickly have they turned aside? Are you in the way this afternoon? Which has been given unto us? The way which has been made unto us? Then walk ye in it. Don't turn. Amen. Don't look. Don't look back. Don't turn. Amen. We're looking at our hearts. Here it says, and where God says, he's telling the prophet, he says, I want you with all your heart. Can someone say all my heart? All my heart. Second Chronicles chapter 29 is probably the last verse we'll read this afternoon unless we continue in God's word, but we need to be separate. Are we separate this afternoon? In chapter 29, 2 Chronicles chapter 29, in the 6th verse, it says, For our fathers have trespassed, and they have done which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God, and have forsaken him, and they have turned away their faces. Now we've read where they've turned away their hearts. Now they have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord, and they have turned their backs. Sometimes for you and I, it's not going to be too obvious. It's not like you're going to see, as I mentioned, I'll, I'll, again, I'll use that person sitting on the, on the bar stool in the club or in the dance hall, completely sold out to the devil. But here, when judgment begins in the house of God, when, there's, when the word of God is for our uplifting, our edifying, our exhorting, and our comforting, when I see this in the scriptures, when I look at what God wants from you and I, he just does not want 
part of you. Jesus was quoted in saying, if you will serve the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Well, I look at what Jesus went to the cross. I believe that all his blood was shed. The Bible says no bones were broken, so I understand this. But when he went to the cross, he held nothing back. When it came to what Jesus had to fulfill, the Bible says he fulfilled part or all. He didn't even neglect, and he had a pretty good reason to come up with a half-decent excuse. Well, I'm being crucified right now. They're nailing spikes through my hands or through my feet or through my wrists, whatever. But Jesus Christ, amen, the Bible says, did not neglect, did not fail in anything. And I think today when I read these scriptures, I have to, my mind has to be 100% sold out. My heart has to be the heart of flesh that God has given me. The Bible says to serve the Lord with your whole heart. Not part of it. We use that expression, half heartedly. You ever see people punch the clock on Monday? Half-heartedly. That same person punching out on Friday afternoon? Whole-heartedly. I pity that person's boss, whoever's paying his paycheck. And, but that's the way it is. That's the way the flesh is. Maybe some of you are saying, well, is that me? Or I don't know. I don't go to work with you, but do you understand, you understand what I'm saying? And when, when God is looking for somebody to use, God needs somebody that is sold out. God needs somebody, amen. When the Bible says, we, we, the, we talk about baptism, amen. It's not just a sprinkle on the forehead. It's not just a christening with the finger dipped in water, amen. It's fully immersed. You go in the water, you go under the water, you come out out of the water, you are dripping wet from that water. When we are being washed, amen, by the blood of Christ, the, the Bible teaches us that we are redeemed by his blood. And that redemption, uh, the, the, the person who coined that phrase or whatever came along saying, oh, just one drop of his blood was good enough for me. No, that's wrong. Amen. Otherwise, Jesus could have pricked his finger and it would have all been said and done. Amen. It took more than one drop of his blood, all the blood that was shed on Calvary. Before he, he was nailed to the cross, he was shedding blood when they pierced his brow with, with that crown of thorns. Before they nailed his back to the wood, they whipped it raw and blood was being shed. Amen. A trail of blood was left behind. Amen. As he walked up with his cross before they nailed him to the cross. And then demanded more blood from him. Driving spikes through his wrists and through his feet, through his legs, whatever. And then when they, when, when they couldn't figure out whether he was dead or alive, amen, they split his side open. The Bible says, amen, not only by the spirit, but by the water and by the blood. Amen, this is how Jesus Christ came and became my savior. And we think we can go to church for an hour a week and get away with it. Amen. Someone was explaining to me before the service start, amen, how the Islam religion, if, if I understood correctly, it's as if you were, yes, you were explaining to me that their majority, if they're, as long as they're good for more than half of their life, they got a good chance of, of basically that's their, their understanding. I didn't see, I didn't understand that concept before. And as long as there's more good than bad, amen. But when I read the scriptures, amen, with, with, what, with what God gave me, God gave me all good. 
He didn't withhold. Amen. When it came for God, amen, to make a way for me. Amen. Are you with me this afternoon? He did not hold back. Amen. When it came time, amen, for Jesus, for his son to be given in sacrifice. And I thank God today that for the salvation that I have, amen, comes from this. It comes from this understanding. It comes from this deed. It comes from this action. So that salvation that is working in me is going to work under the same influence as that. That God gave his only begotten son. There was no other options. God gave what he had to Amen. What he had to give at, at that time. Amen. His only begotten son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. And I thank God today that when I become a son, when you become a daughter, when we become his children, God expects the same of you and I. Not to be crucified. Not to shed blood. That was done, the Bible says, once and for all. Amen. But when it comes time to serve God, I thank God this is not just Sunday religion or Saturday religion or one day of the week, but this, amen, when we look at what God is expecting of us today, my feet are walking on that way. My eyes are turned or my eyes are fixed, if you would, or my eyes are focused, amen, on the, in the right direction. My heart, amen, means business. Amen, my heart is right with God. Amen, in such a way, praise God, my back is turned on the devil. My back is turned on darkness. My back is turned on religion. Amen, my back is turned on sickness. My back is turned on my sin. Press towards that mark. Amen, I can be headed into a, in a direction, holding up that scepter of righteousness. Amen, I'm heading in a direction, praise God, that people will know, amen, that it is a direction that, that it's leading unto life. Amen, that is a direction that is bringing me closer to God, amen, and further away from sin, further away from the temptations of this world, further away from darkness, amen, and I thank God today, praise God, that this is the only way, this is what God expects from you and I and nothing else from a son and nothing else from a daughter, amen. This is how I read the scriptures. This is how I read where, and the examples that we have, Amen. When we're reading, again, I'll read back 2 Chronicles 29. says, For our fathers have trespassed and done which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him. They turned away their faces. What's before your eyes this afternoon? As soon as you remove that word from before your eyes and look at anything else, anything, it's as if you're turning your face away from what you need to see, what you need to have before. Again, I'll go back to my shepherd. He leadeth me. You ever follow somebody driving through town? And all of a sudden, they get the green light and you get the red light and you lose sight of them? Uh-oh. I'm an old guy, so I'm talking back in the day before GPS. All of a sudden, you lost your leader and you're sitting there going, oh, now what? Amen. There's people today, amen, they've lost sight of God's word. They've lost sight of, they've lost sight of their leader. They've lost sight of their vision, the Bible says. God said it. And because they, they don't have that vision anymore, God says, my people perish. Did they not perish in the desert? They took their eyes off and I don't know what they had. So as I said, they really didn't have anything. Bunch of sand blowing around. But they decided to put their eyes on something that they made. Man-made. Carnally made religion. This is what brought you out of Egypt. 
Can you imagine believing such a lie? And it costs them. Amen. It costs them. When you look at how, what the decision that God made, it costs them. And it says here, amen, let me finish this verse. It says, they have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord. And what's next? Now they turn away their backs. Praise God. I don't want to be found in a position as such at all, at all, at all. Do I have 10 more minutes? Can I, can I have 10 more minutes, please? Um, I want to close on, I want to bring this thought to a close before I go into prophecy of the, through the scriptures. I want to look at different prophecies, but I want to look at some good examples and I'll go, th- I'll go through this quickly unless the Spirit of God gives me something else to say. I've got three passages of scriptures. In the, in the book of Psalms 44, I want to read verse 18. One, two, three. I have four passages of scriptures, but two of them come from the same chapter. So thank you so much for your patience. Psalms 44 and verse 18, it says, and these are good examples. I've been kind of spending perhaps a little too long on some bad examples, but these are good examples. It says here, our heart. In fact, I want everybody to read these first six words with me. Read it out loud. Or say it out loud if you're not reading. Our heart is not turned back. That sounded good. Say it again. Our heart is not turned back. Amen. Praise God. What does that mean? Neither have our steps declined from whose way? Thy way. Whose way is that? God's way. And his name is? Amen. You got trouble with your heart? You're going to have trouble with your steps. This is what I've been trying to get at for the past hour. Your backs are turned. You're going the wrong way. Trouble with your heart. You get trouble with your steps. And after all, we're all trying to get to heaven. If you're not trying to get to heaven, then you're trying to get to hell. Think about it. And I tell people, you want to go to hell? You know what you have to do? Nothing. You've already been born. You're already on your way to hell. Do nothing and you'll just go to hell. You want to get to heaven? Well, then work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's one verse. Awake unto righteousness and sin not. There's another verse. And it can go on and on, but I think you got the picture. Trouble with your heart, trouble with your eyes, trouble with your back. Your feet are taking you in the wrong direction. Are you listening to me this afternoon? And here in Psalm, amen, David says, our heart does not turn back, neither have our steps declined from God's way, thy way. Not my way. It's God's way. Someone say God's way. Psalm 119. I'm going to read three, four verses in this psalm. Verse 35, in Psalm 119, verse 35, it says, Make me to go, amen, make me to go. If I'm going to repeat it again, make me, he maketh me. David again, in Psalm 119, he says, Make me to go in the path of, are you reading it with me? Whose commandments? God's commandments. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies. Whose testimonies? God's testimonies. Amen. I trust that every single one of you listening to me, you're reading these verses with me. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. 
What happens when you covet? You're already breaking a commandment. Not good. Turn away. It's verse 37. He says, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. I want my eyes to see what I need to see. I don't want to behold vanity. What is vanity? It's empty things. Things, amen, that are, that are worthless. Things that are useless. God says, don't rend your garments. More show than value. We've got all the show. We've got all the display. More show than worth than what it's worth. Amen. There is no value. This is what vanity is. Turn away mine eyes from these useless things and quicken thou me. Amen. Make me live. Bring, give me life. His name is. Quicken thou me in thy way. Again, it's not my way, but it is God's way. What do you have in your hand this afternoon? God's way. It's God's word. It's God's truth. Praise God. Jump up to verse 59. Psalm 119. He says, I thought on my ways. I'm going to end with this verse. Make sure, I want to make sure you all have it. He says, I thought on my ways. But you know what? After thinking about it, I turned my feet unto thy ways. Or it says thy testimonies, but what's a testimony? It's words coming out of God's mouth. He said, I looked at my way and I figured, you know what? I better change directions. A lot of people, they like their way or their flesh does anyways. And they have trouble to get the flesh to turn around so that the spirit can go God's way. Here's a verse. It's short. It's short and sweet, like the saying goes. Amen. It's short. It's powerful. Where, where the writer, where David says, he says, I thought on my ways, and you know what? There's a better way to go. Can someone say amen? amen? He says, I thought on my ways, and I didn't keep going. Yeah, verse 59. Amen. He says, I thought on my way. And he says, but I didn't keep going. He says, I turned my feet. I turn my heart. Amen. I turn my mind. Change my thoughts. Turn my back on the devil, not on God. Some people have turned their backs on the house of God. But I've turned my back on the devil. Amen. I've turned my back on darkness. I've turned my back, amen, on sin. I've turned my back on religion. Amen. I've turned my back on my old ways. And that's the way my back is going to stay. All these things are going to be behind me. Forgetting those things which are. I'm going to leave them behind. Amen. I don't want to be a dog to go back to vomit. Amen. I don't want to be the sow or the pig to go back or the swine to go back to the mire, to the mud. I want to be a son that has been cleaned up and that will stay clean. Sons of God. Daughters of God. I want to be a daughter. Amen. That has been cleaned up and I want to stay clean. Praise God. I don't want to end up in the ditch or on the, by the wayside. I want to be on that way. Isaiah chapter 35. And there shall be a way, and that way shall be called the way of life. Amen. And his name is, amen. There is only one way which will take me to God. Praise God. Amen. Which will lead me to the Father. Amen. And Jesus said, I am that way. Praise God. And I'm going to make sure, praise God, that I'm not turning to the left nor turning to the right. Praise God. I want to make sure that my eyes, praise God, are on the prize.
Praise God. Amen. The prize of the high calling of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise God. His name, once again, is. Everybody shout his name. Amen. Thank God for his word. Amen. And every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God this afternoon. Praise God. Are you glad for it? God says, you turn. He says, turn ye. You turn. What's that mean? It means we better turn. If God says to turn, what are you going to do? I'm going to turn. Praise God. Have we turned this afternoon? We have turned unto Jesus Christ. His name once again is, let's give Jesus a good hand. Praise God. Amen. A good hand for his word, for every word. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This concludes part three in a six-part series called U-Turn. I thank God that you have been able to spend this time with me, and I believe that you have been blessed by the Word of God. Don't keep this to yourself. Send a link to your friends and family so that they too can be blessed with the Word of God. If you want more teachings, go to tttpodcast.life, where you can listen to these teachings as often as you would like, and you can also download them for free. My name is Lincoln. There's more of the Word of God coming right up. You're listening to That's the Truth. That's the Truth.